Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. All right, boys. We got a, we got a busy day here. We've got a busy weekend. Vikings training camp going on. Twins trade deadline counting down. So we'll have stuff on that. It's action movie rewind Friday. We're heading toward the NBA league year early next week. I believe Monday, Sunday, I think it's August 2nd, Monday. But um, let's start here, boys. Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And we want titles. Everything we talk about is through the prism of titles here. On the show, okay. can, can we pull it back a little bit? Titles with the wolves, with the wolves. <laughs> no, just, a I want no. A I want t- first. I want titles. Well, you want a title. <laughs> I, want titles. I am. I'm just saying. When it comes to the twins, the Vikings, oh. and the Wild, but when it comes to the wolves, <laughs> I'll just take that playing game. <laughs> okay. All right. So we want titles for all the other teams. For the wolves, we just want the ten seed. We just want. We just want the ten seed, baby. Yes. That's right. So uh, let's do a few minutes here on the trade that was made last night. I think Judd hit a write-that-down prediction here. You said very early on when Rubio was traded for last year, you said this will be his only year. He'll be here for one year, even though it's a two-year contract. So he was traded to Cleveland last night for Torian Prince, who, by the way, uh, Torian Prince, a second-round pick and some cash. We'll get into sort of the the inner makings here. But if you guys remember, Torian Prince played at Baylor. Yep. And I think it was it Baylor got upset by Yale or something in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And he was the guy that was asked. Some angry reporter was like, how could you guys get out-rebounded by Yale? You got out-rebounded by Yale. What is that? This is an outrage. Yale, right? And, uh, and Torian Prince said, well, uh, so h- how could they out-rebound you? Well, they reached up and... Yeah. They grabbed the ball ball off the rim, and they secured it, and that's a rebound, and they did that more than we did. I love it. (laughs) So if if we get that Torian Prince in postgame, like will the Wolves get thrashed by the Memphis Grizzlies or something? Who's going to be outraged, though? Like who's who's the outraged? Outraged reporter at this point. You know what? Britt, Ro- Britt Robson will get a little cantankerous. Okay, yeah. Most of them are like, okay, you lost again. That's cool. Yeah, I know. Britt, Britt will get, Britt oh, yeah. will sometimes get mad. Like, what do you guys, I've been watching this for 30 years. What and are you guys break doing? break it down, too, though. That's very true. Yep. So, so they make the trade. Uh, John Hollinger from The Athletic and Dane Moore, our friend, did a great job explaining some of this stuff, too. I'm just reading this from The Athletic. Why this is a good trade for the Timberwolves. It's not a blockbuster. It's not going to change the franchise, but why it's a good trade on a couple different fronts. So the Wolves go from 4.7 below the luxury tax line 
to $9.5 million below the luxury tax line, enough that it opens them up to potentially use their entire taxpayer mid-level exception, which means – so when you're over the cap like the Wolves are, the only way for you to bring a free agent in is through what the league calls the mid-level exception. If you're too close to the luxury tax, you only get like $5 million to spend on a player – if you clear some room and give yourself some breathing room between uh, where you're at and the luxury tax uh, ceiling, you can spend about $10 million per year on a place. You can get a better player with the full mid-level exception in free agency. You could sign a guy to like a four-year, $40 million contract now, which is, you know, you could get someone legitimate. And as Hollinger writes, it could open up signing 2020 first-rounder Leandro Balmero, who might come over this year. Um, and be a factor. So they and, and by the way, like to replace Rubio, you know, Jordan McLaughlin could become, you know, a, a, a varsity roster player, so to speak. Um, so there's there's ways you can replace Rubio, but um, they open up a chance to use the full mid level exception by clearing some salary cap space. And by the way, Torian Prince, he shoots threes at a forty percent clip. He's a little bit undersized to play the four, but like you can put him out there as kind of a you know, a big wing player or a small sort of uh, undersized four um, defense is very optional for Torian Prince. But I like this trade. John Hollinger likes the trade. What do you guys think of the Ricky Rubio era coming to an end here in Minnesota? Um, I think that it was it was probably a good plan by Gerson and at the time Ryan Saunders to bring Rubio back last November. I believe, in fact, I believe they acquired him on what was the draft night in. November 2020, and then they traded him on draft night 2021. Um, I think the intention was good. I sort I get why they did it. Obviously, Ricky and Ryan are very close, but we saw enough, in my opinion, of Ricky last year uh, where he needed to go. Like it just wasn't going to work. Um, I don't think he, he was necessarily going to fit into what Chris Finch does offensively. And Chris Finch has a very good idea because of his background, what he wants to do offensively. I appreciate his defense, but I clearing up more cap room to me is the absolute key here. Well, like I think this is going to trigger more moves now. So I don't think I don't in I don't believe we're talking about the player in Prince that they got back as okay. Is this guy going to contribute, and how good is he going to be, and is this a great trade? I think that this goes to what you said, Phil, which is the explanation of what this does for you now to make subsequent moves because you freed up the cash. Mm-hmm. So that's where – so forget the player that they got back. I actually think that this goes way more to the fact that they freed up more moves to be made now, of which I think that they will make more. And that's the thing, right? Like this can't this can't be – all right, so uh, – and, and Prince is an expiring contract. You could, In theory, you could just spin Prince because – Prince as an expiring $13 million chunk yes. is valuable. Those contracts are valuable for teams looking to clear cap space for next summer. So he could be a trade ship. There's so many things that could happen. Um, but like I said, if if this is the move and maybe there's like another minor move, you're still very much on the fringe of the play-in next year. If you can somehow take pieces, future draft picks – whatever it may be, and spin those things. Because now you can trade a first-round pick again now that we're past the draft. You can't trade back-to-back future first-round picks. You have to have at least a first-round pick within the next two years. So you can. So now that we're past the draft, you can um, you can officially, officially trade your 2022 first-round pick. What's the next thing is the question. Is it a Ben right. Simmons? I mean, that asking price right now, I'm not giving up four future first, three pick swaps, and a player for Ben Simmons right now. 
just not. And by the way, to, that's the thing. Like to make it work for Ben Simmons, you have to give up players because his contract is like thirty, thirty-five million dollars a year. So right now, the Sixers are asking for four first-round picks, and from the Wolves' perspective, like a Malik Beasley and another player, like just to make the money work. Mm-hmm. So um, this was an interesting move last night. Hopefully, it's just sort of the first turning of the wheels over the next week for the Wolves to do something splashier. Yeah, so um, in his in the in the Zoom call that he did last night, after of course not having a draft pick, Gerson talked about the move and talked about the, the fact that this was this was a step in getting bigger and better on defense, which, as you pointed out, with Prince doesn't really do it. So I think what we're going to see is is the next move is going to be to continue to try to get bigger and more defense, uh, which could mean Prince is gone too. Again, I don't think the player. The move is what's important here, and the yeah. money, the player's not. So I don't know that the next move's going to, like, knock our socks off. Oh, my God, it's it's Simmons or a perceived potential star player. But I do think it's going to go to getting way more uh, what they need as far as defense goes. And you know what? Keep in mind, too, uh, this is going to be the first time that Chris Finch can sort of craft the roster a little bit himself to be, to be what he wants and to be – um, offensively what he wants as well. So these moves to me now are going to be far more hand-in-hand hand like the Vikings moves are between head coach uh, and pre- president of basketball operations in this case mm-hmm. to get you to a place where when you start training camp, you're far more comfortable with what you have from a personnel standpoint that they can execute what you want if you're Chris Finch. Yeah. Yeah, the offseason, the, the work that Chris Finch did on the fly last year was very impressive. And- and transformational in some ways. I don't want to go too far because they were still like they were still the wolves. Red Arbuck, um, John Wooden, <laughs> combination of these guys, yeah. and Phil Jackson in his prime. Uh, but it it will be interesting to see you know and, and there's already some off season bonding like they had the team together at a Twins game and Anthony Edwards was doing backflips back off a boat so we're doing the chemistry thing this off season whoa, which whoa, is what? great. What I didn't see that. What I know you're going to get nervous that he's going to. Yeah, wait, he was wait. on Lake yeah, Minnetonka doing, doing backflips off, off a boat. Into the water, nothing dangerous. Judge Redding, a calm, Judge Redding, a column tonight. Judge Redding, I don't. Tonight. Declan's not necessarily wrong. Wait a second. <laughs> he was doing backflips off a boat it's on fine. Lake Minnetonka. It's fine. It's Why Lake, is it fine? It's fine. There's no one else around. Yeah. This think, is this is reminding know all the me. Things that can go wrong in the water. Somebody somebody uh, brought, dug up a tweet and a take from Judd that was like five or six years old nice. this morning on Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo it's getting traded last night, and Judd got so mad when Anthony Rizzo stood up on the tarp at Wrigley to catch a foul ball. No, it's on like, the wall. Too... The tarp I was okay with. The, the tarp was on the wall. You can slip off that wall. You are screwed. And I do not want my star player. You know what? Send the 12th guy on the bench. He can do backflips on Lake Minnetonka. Jake Lehman, you're the other stuff, man. Come on, come on in here, buddy. Do all the backflips you want, Jake. see a Misty. Come on, Jake Lehman. Jalen, Jalen Noel, you're the you're yeah. the stunt double here, all yeah. right? Any, whenever we're doing ass shots or backflips off of the boat, we need you to be a stand Backflip gainer. Let's go. Come on, Jake Lehman. <laughs> I got to go find this. This makes it now. My day is uh, ruined. There was, there was one injury. I mean, the, the big thing in the NBA yesterday, obviously, Russell Westbrook getting traded. He's like he's going to be like 33. <laughs> I want to say, and he did average a triple double last year, but he's not quite as a, he's never been the most efficient player, but um, some of the, some of the, you know, the deeper analytical uh, dives will tell you that he's not nearly the same player he was, but anyways, so he gets traded from Washington to the Lakers 
And your first thought was, oh, this is good news for teams like the Timberwolves that would love to leverage Bradley Beal as a, like the Wizards as a third team that you can dump your rebuilding assets onto draft picks to then get a Ben Simmons or somebody. Well, there's a report last night that Bradley Beal has decided to not request a trade from the Wizards. Mm-hmm. And in a roundabout way, I think that impacts the Timberwolves because if they want to acquire Ben Simmons, they need a third team. There's really... I don't. I don't see the Wolves offering up D'Angelo Russell or Cat or Anthony Edwards in a trade directly with the 76ers. They would need to send assets, draft picks, a Malik Beasley. You know, maybe maybe a Jaden McDaniel's. As much as that would suck, like, can you send assets to a team looking to rebuild, and then a wing player or a shooting guard like Bradley Beal goes to the Sixers, and then Ben Simmons comes to the Timberwolves? Like that made sense. But if Bradley Beal has decided, for whatever reason, for his, his Stockholm, sim, Stockholm syndrome that he's been suffering in Washington, D.C., um, that he's not going to request a trade, then that avenue would be dead for the Timberwolves. So some, something worth noting. Yeah, that's going to be – so from what Doogie told us, if the Sixers' asking price for Simmons remains what he said – I believe he was talking about that trade potentially in relation to the Spurs, Phil. I got to think that's going to be a, a no-go here. Like, if you can get a third t- team in too, but didn't you tell me a couple days ago that Toronto was basically just bypassed a third team and said, well, we'll trade for them, but let's just do the deal between us and you. So I don't think they're going to get Simmons, but I do think that they're going to make some substantial moves that, again, aren't going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that yeah. they made that, that move, we, but are going to strengthen this team. And like the Pacers, like Miles Turner, we don't know what the Pacers are thinking. Do they think they can contend in the East? Right. Are they going to go into kind of a rebuild? Will they just spin pieces? We don't know yet, but we will. <laughs> oh, right. we will know in the next it's a, four it's days a or so. Backflip off a pontoon. I'm watching it right mm-hmm. now. I'm a little bit more at ease here after okay. seeing it because it's, it's a pontoon. So we're it's not the minivan of so, the boats. Yeah, and and you can actually launch yourself pretty yeah. safely off a pontoon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie though. I don't love it. Okay. Next right. contract. I, no lakes. I will say, watching that draft last night, I watched the majority of it. Um, Cade Cunningham looks like an absolute stud and that dude is so well spoken like i'm i'm very excited to watch him in the league like he looks just like an absolute star yeah he's a lot of people are saying he might be in terms of just being six foot eight and he's he's just big and can do everything that he might be the most surefire prospect since lebron james dex are you uh are you inching towards being a pistons guy might be bad boys yeah i'm down for the bad boys throwback yeah Absolutely, Mahorn. I was a big Chauncey. Every, I was a big Chauncey Billups fan in, in, in my in my in my youth. So yeah, I, I uh, yeah. Everyone needs Prince. a backup. If you're a Wolves guy, you need a backup team because mm-hmm. you know, usually by like February, it's time that. to start thinking about the draft yeah. for the Timberwolves. So who's your backup team? Maybe the maybe the Pistons. It's been a long time since the Pistons have been anyone's backup team before need, Declan was born. Need some of that insurance, man. Need some of that insurance. You never know. What do you mean? You're saying the Pistons haven't been relevant? Is the Pistons won a championship? They okay, but they also I think uh, this well they have won a championship for the Wolves, so I, we shouldn't rag them too much. But they have what one winning season in the last twelve years? No playoff wins in that time. I mean, they they have been a dump. But I will take and them. The champ- but I would take and them. the championship team though that they had, Phil, the last one was a really boring team to watch. I don't know. I thought I NBA, was awesome. Ben Wallace blocking ben Wall- shots, yeah. Rip Hamilton Prince, with the face Rip. mask for yeah. no reason. Yeah. Yeah. The NBA back then at that point, not all that exciting. Let's be honest about it. It was a down period. The Wolves definitely 
Definitely missed their window there. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service golfing destination enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community. Let's get into it. The main event on this Friday. I'll let Dex fire this, but action movie rewind. Uh, ever heard of Eddie Kim? Who hasn't? <laughs> oh, I was watching one of those crime shows once, you know, with the hokey reenactments where he tortured this guy who was a witness against him by gouging out his eyes and then feeding him to some pigs. Pretty gruesome stuff. Yeah, he doesn't mess around that guy. So, um, yeah, what are you, what do you have to... Um, I'm a witness for the prosecution. Wow. (laughs) That is so hot. Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... It's my job to handle life and death situations on a daily basis. It's what I do, and I'm very good at it. Now, you can stand there and be the panicked, angry mob and blame him, me, and the government for getting you into this. But if you want to survive tonight, you need to save your energy and start working together. Now, what we need to do is go back in there and find all the dead snakes we can so the doctors on the ground will know what kind of anti-venoms we need. Whatever you find, you bring it to me. And I don't need to tell you to be careful. We gotta clear the snakes out of the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, clear the snakes out of the cockpit, yeah. Enough is enough! I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane! Everybody strap in! I'm about to open some windows. Wow. Oh, God. I love it. Wow. Oh, wow. My God. All right. Action Movie Rewind here. Part of the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise every Friday going back to March 2020, right when the pandemic hit. We've been reviewing movies, action movies, rom-coms, sports movies. Maybe we'll branch out even more at some point. But today we have landed on Snakes on a Plane, 2006. I would say a generational cult classic. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into more of that. Early days, of, fairly early days of internet and things going viral. Mm-hmm. Here's the summary presented by Federated. And I'm going to guess that uh, a lot of people and entities in this movie could use some insurance. <laughs> Federated's here to help with risk management. You know, if you ever have an infestation of snakes, I don't know, maybe Federated has some guidance and advice for you. Not sure how that works, but they've been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, and uh, they allow business owners to sleep better at night with the people, the policies, and the resources that they provide. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Here's the summary of Snakes on a Plane. FBI agent Nelville Flynn, played by Samuel L. Jackson, boards a flight from Hawaii to Los Angeles, escorting a witness to trial. An onboard assassin releases a crate of deadly serpents in an attempt to kill the witness. Flynn and a host of frightened passengers and the crew must band together to survive the slithery threat. 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Nice. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus says, quote, 
Snakes on a Plane lives up to its title, featuring Snakes on a Plane. It isn't perfect, but then again, it doesn't need to be. $33 million budget. Oh, my God. There was like one set. They're on a plane. Samuel L. Samuel L. Yeah. Samuel L. $33 million budget turned into $62 million at the box office. Samuel L. Jackson, Juliana Margulies, Keenan Thompson, and a bunch of other sort of fringe recognizable actors from that era. Mm-hmm. Directed by David R. Ellis. Can you guys guess what David R. Ellis is famous for? One of the great 90s sequels. Don't know. Uh-huh. Homeward Bound 2, Lost oh. in San Francisco. <laughs> he also directed. Okay. Dad, have you ever seen I that? Never, Dude, got... Homeward Bound, oh my God. Those are tearjerkers, man. We should oh review Homeward Bound. No, we should act. I, we should legitimately I don't want to do tearjerker rewind. I do yeah, not want to do tearjerking yeah, rewind. Do What's next then? Toy Story 3 so yeah. I can just that... keep crying again? Stop it. No. I'm going to put it down on our list. Homeward Bound. We'll, we, we will find a genre that includes Homeward Bound. Kids uh, no, movie. Kids no. movies. Let's review kids movies. No, I'm not, no. I'm yes. drawing the line. I do not want to do kids movies. <laughs> At some point, we're going to run out of action movies. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then we'll go back to more rom-coms because there has to be something better than Mr. Baseball. <laughs> uh, we have so a lot of sports films, too, by the way. We do. We definitely do. All right, we'll start with Judd here. What was your main takeaway from Snakes on a Plane? Yeah. My main takeaway from this film, and there's a lot to take away from this film. This was a great one to do this project for. But anyway, my main takeaway was Samuel L. Jackson got paid clearly and good for him. Like, <laughs> like this is a this is a fantastic. And so here, here's the thing that's sort of sort of genius in his part in taking this role. You don't know what's going to become like just a flop of a film like this as opposed to a cult classic. So, like, it's hard to tell. Um, and the, the fact he took this film and the fact that this film is, you know, while very gross at times, is also hysterically funny at times. This is a great film where where I don't know what his side projects were because he's a great actor, but he must have had some projects where he either just wanted to do them and wasn't going to get paid a lot or I don't know if he was doing theater or what. But the man cashed in, and that's my takeaway. Good for you. And he's great, but my point is, like, this is this is so below his potential pay grade. Because, like, he, he could be in action films that are just great action films. And to take snakes on a plane, gotta love it. I'm trying to find what he made for this movie. And Me too. nothing is... Yeah, I agree with this Well, he and Juliana Margulies had to make a decent amount of the budget that you talked about right yeah but juliana besides the special effects she was i mean i know she was she was still prominent in er at the time but like er good, that good wife came out like six seven years ago like my mom was super into that show like she she didn't really i think hit her stride to like five or six no, years later after this dude, i mean she was established e- er I mean, got you paid yeah yeah, she, yeah ER, her, her and clooney were yeah. big time stars yeah, she did. She was on. I mean, those those big cast members on ER were making probably millions per season. Yeah, I would she, assume, right? I guarantee you, for that role, she got paid. But anyway, Samuel L. <laughs> it was a treat to watch you, and and I give him credit too. You guys, there's a lot of there's a lot of actors that could have done this film that would not have made this film nearly as much fun, yeah. and it wouldn't have been nearly as good. So that's my takeaway. I think just to piggyback, I'll give you my takeaway in a second, but. It almost felt like, all right, what's the most outrageous plot we can put Samuel L. Jackson in? You know, what if it's just him? You know, it's like they went through a different different iterations of what if there's like a bomb on a plane? Oh yeah, well that's kind of been done before. Turn, yes. What if what if the what if the plane is like malfunctioning and 
They have to land it. Oh, that would be good too. No, no, no. What if we put snakes on the plane? Oh, yes. my God, right? I think my main takeaway is that sometimes it's hard to name movies. You know, it's – and we see – we throughout this exercise of these Friday movie reviews, we see a lot of the, well, this is what the original film was called, and then they changed it to this. It's like it's hard to name things. Oh, I see. It's yeah. hard to name brands. It's hard to name movies. My main takeaway is this is the most perfectly, <laughs> succinctly named movie in cinematic history. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is like there's no this and Gone with the Wind. ambiguity about – well, no, Gone with the Wind is not – you know, you wouldn't know Gone with the Wind is about Civil War in the old South, would you? I mean the movie title tells you exactly what you're going to get for an hour and a half. With no ambiguity, you're going to get snakes. On a plane. The only thing that would have made it even more accurate is if it was snakes on a mother bleeping plane, yes. which wouldn't have been uh, as marketable. And go go to your notes, too. It's great that they tried to change the name. Yep. And Samuel L. Jackson's like, you ain't changing the name of the film. Yep. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, Dex, what was your main takeaway? This is, this is the perfect movie of what we need to do every week. Just a ridiculous, <laughs> over-the-top, poor acting, poor lines. Poor acting. Keenan Thompson was yeah, amazing yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, Keenan Thompson. I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, but th- there's absurd deaths. There's oh, God, yeah. a little bit of, like, risque and nudity involved. There's actually a lot, kind of a significant amount of nudity involved. Uh, it hits everything we need in our action movie review. It is over-the-top and ridiculous. It's been probably, I didn't see this in theaters, but I saw it. Shortly after it came to like DVD video, and my friends watch, and I watched it like four times in a summer, and I, I don't think I have watched it since. So it's been probably like fifteen years since I've ac- I've actually seen it, but it's still absolutely absurd. It is. I- I'm so glad we we're able to review this movie. I'm so happy. All right, Jet, go. Uh, let's go to the next one here, Joe. What was your favorite part about Snakes on a Plane? Oh, this one's simple. The special effects and the way that they, the different ways that they try to come up with for snakes to kill the people on the plane. Oh, yeah. I thought was fantastic. Um, and I love I love how I think the last big death on the plane w- was the obnoxious guy who you kept waiting for him to die. Oh, yeah. Who, throw, who throws the dog to that massive snake and gets you. You knew that that dog, at. you knew that that dog was. Right. You but, but, what I, but what I loved is, is the guy that fed the snake the dog was obnoxious and you knew that he was going to die eventually. You just, just didn't know how. And seconds after... He basically kills the dog. He gets um, he gets um, eaten, constricted. Yeah. He ba- the snake wraps him up and then puts his, and then puts the snake head on his head and starts to eat him. Okay. If you don't, if you didn't enjoy the special effects of th- this film, and then when when they would show the, the passengers who, who had been dead for quite some time and they were like foaming in yeah. the mouth or there was stuff coming from their eyes. Yeah. Uh, bravo special yes. effects bravo which probably <laughs> behind it the two top eight actors was the rest of the budget basically that's my guess uh yeah i mean i i i need a budget breakdown of this movie like how much did juliana cost how much did samuel cost and then how much did the special effects cost and then how much did it cost just to like because well there's a production note they actually used a bunch of real snakes in this movie you know oh. how much does it cost per i'm sure those hollywood snakes have agents <laughs> who might also be snakes. Well, I was going to say, I was going to yeah, you got a lot of snakes. Oh, boy. Uh, let's go back to Dex here, your favorite part of uh, this movie. A cu- couple of things. There, actually, there's so many things. Uh, 
Number one, I love Keenan Thompson in this movie. And, and like, and he really doesn't really come into his own to like the last scene of the movie, which I absolutely love when he's in the cockpit. All right, what's up? What's up, y'all? What it is? What it is? This is your new pilot, Troy speaking. And sitting next to me is my main man, my brother from another mother, the biggest pimp that I know, Superfly <laughs> Agent Blinn, ladies and gentlemen, Agent Blinn. <laughs> Sir, have you got any experience piloting a jet aircraft? Oh, yeah. F-15s, F-16s, A-10 Warthogs. I've flown all that And we're all thankful to have you, sir. What squadron were you with? Uh, the awesome fighting aces. Man, I'm telling you, the video gamers got their locked down tight. Sir, are, are you telling me that your only real flight time is at the controls of a video game? See, it's not, it's not a video game, all right? It, it's a flight simulator. Is that PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is awesome in this. Uh, oh, a few other things. Just how obnoxious some of these deaths are. So, like, yes, like Judd's saying, the snakes that are just killing them in every possible way. The couple that... And I love how they follow, like, the classic horror film rules. Like, the cu- first couple that gets it on dies right yep. away. That's, like, yep. n- rule number one of a horror film. Um and then when they're also trying to just get up to like that first class level to get away from the planes and just how many people fall from that stairwell and like get impaled in the most absurd ways. Like there was one guy that got shot through the neck. There was a few other people that got just like absolutely just killed just from the fall of that. I thought that was hilarious. And then the last part, and I shouldn't have laughed at this, but it just it, it literally made me buckle over when the old flight attendant dies. OK, so like the old flight, they're like they're all sad. And they just take her, take her flight attendant coat and put it over her as if like that's a proper burial. I was, I was literally in tears. I was in tears, laughing so hard. And it's supposed to be a (laughs) sentimental park, and Juliana's like breaking down. But I, I could not handle it. It was unreal. I, I loved all those parts. Uh, just on the back to Keenan Thompson landing this plane. Just hey, I've done a flight simulator on a PlayStation Two. I can totally land this plane. If that's the case, if random people can just hop into a cockpit of a plane that large, a commercial plane, and just land it with very little problem during a huge crisis, what does that say? Are we overvaluing the skill set of pilots? Did this movie shine a light on, you know, maybe these pilots aren't quite as skillful as we think if Keenan Thompson can play PlayStation 2 I'm, and land it during a crisis? I'm not buying that you could land that plane, so I don't think so. <laughs> I think they were. I think they they were trying to make it a little bit simplistic. But it is great to Dex's point how the end turns into just a complete comedy bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like okay, like, we've had all these ridiculously tragic and the, horrible yeah. deaths, and like, all right, we're gonna goof around in the cockpit here now. There's about 150 dead bodies back here. Gonna, the pimp on uh, the pimp <laughs> hey, everybody to my right. <laughs> uh, all right, I think I think my favorite part was just the general leadership that Samuel L. Jackson showed. Throughout this movie, all right, it's an unprecedented, you know, tragic crisis happening on a plane. You're trying to find solutions to it, and you're trying to protect people. Um, You know, I just – I don't know if many people would have shown that same level of leadership. Do you guys ever think to yourselves – this might get a little dark for a second, but um, whenever I'm on a plane, Mm -hmm. I always briefly think to myself Mm -hmm. a couple things like where's the bathroom in case my – Stomach starts, which to you don't want to use because you're afraid to use a bathroom on a plane, which we know. Okay, where just in case something goes haywire, where are the exits Exit and signs. where I do that thing, yep. right? And then I think if something really goes haywire, am I going to be one of the people 
to step up and try and do something about it or help people? And in my mind, the answer is always yes. Like, yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to let's do it. Whatever it is. Like, I don't want to go too far down that path. But like, yep, I'm going to be the one in my mind. And I know that in reality, like the minute someone the minute I see a snake or some other thing, like I'm probably going to curl into the field position. Would you guys be more like Samuel Jackson where something's going down on this plane right now and someone needs to be a leader and save some lives and do some things? Like, are you Samuel L. Jackson or are you fetal position? I'm not getting near to trying to lead people. Are you kidding? (laughs) This is America. No one's going to listen anyway. No, I'm saving my own ass. Judd would, Judd would like lead the people just like, hey, you know what, everyone just accept this. Just everyone accept it. Like we're all going to die. Everyone, like, yeah, Judd, Judd, is, would just, yep. Judd would be just the accepting acceptance. of acceptance. Just like, like. No, I don't think I'd be that calm. I l- wish I was that calm, but I would definitely not try and lead. You'd be freaking um, everyone out is what you're saying. I'm uh, the guy who, uh. who sits in the a- exit row and when they come and brief you, you know, read the pamphlet. Are you willing to do this? And you've got to say yes. I'm the guy. Really, who you're thinks, like, no, dude. There's no. I'm chance. the guy who thinks you guys are all out of my right. We'll do it. Yeah. I'm here for the leg room, yeah. and y'all yeah. are screwed. If yeah, you're, but yeah, I mean, I'll me. say I'll do it because you have to, or they move your ass to a bad seat. But I'm going to allow the people to my right to do that work. Yeah. 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 I. Jack, what about you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you going to oh, play hero? It depends. If there's snakes on a plane, no, I am out. Uh, I don't do snakes, but um. So you would you suck the poison out of the little boy's Zero arm chance. like Sorry, that flight attendant die. did? Yeah, I, I think unless it's my own nephews or like I'm attached to this child. No, that kid's gonna die. By the way, was that so? They sliced his arm open and drained the poison. Yeah, Why yeah. then do you need to go in and suck the poison out? I, Wouldn't you just you know I, squeeze the poison I, I, I out know. of the hole that you cut in his arm? Um, I believe it was uh, it's Al Franken, and I've done this before. Al Franken once said he carries a baseball in his carry on. Because he knows he couldn't like physically take down a terrorist, but he always said he was he's good at throwing a baseball. So at the very least, he would keep a baseball in his carry on so he could at least pelt the guy to like injure him while then someone else maybe gets after him and is able to detain the possible hijacker. And I've actually carried a baseball in my carry on before I'm dead serious for that exact reason. How confident would you feel if? Hansel uh-huh. Robles was carrying a baseball, and he well, was he would the one that had to hit someone in the he yeah. hit someone in the temple to yeah. It would take you want to blend you want to blend in so the terrorist doesn't kill you. Yeah, but I think I would. You don't want to throw a baseball? You throw a baseball. You're I I am very I'm a, I'm a very good uh, follower. So if someone like was like saying we're going to do this, I would be one of the first people to follow. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like I I I get pumped up pretty easily, and I can get riled up pretty easy. So I would be able to be like the first soldier to go with him, but I would not be the guy leading the brigade, if you will. Sure. That's fair. Okay. So, uh, great leadership by Samuel L. I'm going to back Judd, Judd L. Jackson. Yeah. I'm going to the back of that plane. That's the all the, plane all the seen, mini booze the bottles and he's just going to chug as many as he can to, to drown his songs. Yeah, I'm going to hang up back out there with Juliana Margulies. <laughs> Wouldn't we all love yeah. to back in 2006? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Judd, what was your least favorite part of this movie? So this is a cult classic. Like, it is a great cult film. There's no question. And, and you know, when when you think it's serious, it gets funny. And when you think it's funny, it gets serious. But I'm going to go, and this is my problem with a lot of these films, and I'm going to go to it again. I think I've said this before about a film that I actually liked, and I like this film. Like, it served its purpose. It wasn't great, but it served its purpose. Um, and in that context, it was good. But it's the end again. The ending of these films. I mean, when you're going to write a film that is this all over the map, 
let's let's do something that is pleasantly surprising like scream screams great at the end right because you don't know like you're like okay now i know and now you don't know and then and at the end of this when the guy gets jumped by the one surviving snake or something and yeah you knew that was going to happen samuel l jackson shoots him in the bulletproof vest so he kills the snake but does like let's find out the guy took the vest off and he he kills him and and he's dead or something <laughs> like like with a cult film to yeah. me the the key to a cult film is to end it with an oh my oh god my they god, did yeah. that and like if he had blown him away and he and he flew out of the plane dead and and he thought that he had the vest on so the end to me it was way too predictable dude and then, we, and were- then we find out that that Samuel L Jackson was in on the plan to put snakes on the plane altogether he it, shuts the door exactly. and but, takes off but like, yes but but like if you're going to do a cult film right that's the end yeah so I was I'm, really I'm disappointed you. that they I was disappointed that it just became at the end of it I thought it became sort of just an action film and I'm like but come on you did a lot of cool stuff in between yeah so, yeah, Declan, your least favorite part. Um, there are way too many injuries below the belt in this film. <laughs> I think I've said before to you guys, I, I would rather just have instant death than get bit down there and then have never be able to use it ever again. Like, I'd rather have my head blown off than have a snake attached below the belt. I think we saw... I think we saw a little frontal action on that one bathroom scene there with when the guy when the snake bit that guy. Yeah, I, like we did. We we yeah. we got a little a little. I'm gonna say a little little peek. Uh, a little base, a little yeah. peek at the base there. Oh, we got a glimpse. Little I glimpse that. there. Yeah. Uh, okay. I I I cringe at all of those. Like of all the scenes and and like there's a lot of pretty disgusting, gross scenes that happen in this movie. I get so uncomfortable watching those. It makes me go crazy there are too many injuries there's like four or five people that get bit in intimate places in this movie and i would rather just take a bullet to the head and i don't like that so that those are that was my least favorite part of this movie uh i actually have a few least favorite parts here i'll I'll go with one for sure maybe we can do a couple of these but the general setting up of the snakes on the plane, okay? I, it almost feels like this movie was reverse engineered, like, okay, we yes. need snakes on a plane. That would be crazy. And then at some point, when you're writing the script and you're plotting this all out, well, how do we get the snakes on a plane? So let's go back to that part for a second. So you're a crime boss with a lot of pull, all right? You've got influence. You're evil. And your goal is to bring down that plane, You've got some options, right? I'm not going to pretend to have thought much about these options myself. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Um, but you've got some options, right? All right, we need – so that witness, we need to take that witness out, which is, that's basically what it is, right? That's the, We need to take that witness out. So it's not even the plane. It's like it's that witness. And you choose the path of most resistance, right? No, we're going to put a gigantic crate of hundreds of snakes <laughs> – in the base of that plane, cover it up with luggage so that people don't see it. Make sure there's breathing holes, but they're not big enough for the snakes to get out until we release the snakes. Like, I just feel like if you're that influential as a crime boss, wouldn't there have been a path of lesser resistance to getting what you want at the end of the day than putting that giant crate of snakes in the plane? I don't know. Just felt felt a little far a little far fetched, believe it or not. I know. A lot, like you said, he's got, got a lot of pull, a lot of friends. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing sort of related to that guy is 
Uh, one of my least favorite things about bad guys in these movies, and he did it at the beginning, it's the bad guy who orders everyone around what to do with unrealistic expectations, right? Like, um, so he he splatters this guy's head all over with a baseball bat at the beginning of the movie, and then tells his cronies, "Clean it up. We got, we gotta go, but clean it up." It's like, buddy, that's an unrealistic expectation. Like, a, you're telling us to hurry, and b, you just splatter that guy's blood all over. We have a dead body and blood everywhere, and you want us to just clean it up. Like it's it's gonna take some time, um, or then then they see the 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 guy ride off on the motor the witness rides off on the motorbike and it's find that guy which they did mind you but again bad guy with unrealistic expectations demanding things from his cronies is a very very uh, common theme throughout these action movies. Why did the guy ride off on the motorbike when he was safely hidden in the bushes? Mm-hmm. It's a great call. There was no they, didn't, they didn't know he existed call. until he hopped on the motorbike, yeah. right? So yeah. wouldn't you just allow the scene to unfold and for them to leave and then you hightail it out of town? Well, we can't all be as cool, cool, calm, and collected when witnessing murders like Judd Zolgad. Like, he might have panicked. He might have panicked with what he saw and said, I got to get out of hey. here. It might have been a mistake by that guy. And the other thing, too, and I, I might have just missed this, but, like, the, the crime boss... He orders these snakes on a plane, but like, does he? He doesn't get like apprehended ever, does he? Like, he, he just gonna... he, he orders them to the snakes in the plane. They obviously, you yeah. know, they 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 get that guy in that cornfield, you know, at at to, to like figure out all, all those snakes. Snake but master. like, yeah, snake master guy. But what happens with the crime boss? They go in. So so they are they're tailing him and watching him throughout the film, but they're not arresting him because they can't prove yet that that he killed the prosecutor. And so that's why the Bobby Cannavale, who's the FBI chief guy at the end, then says, arrest this guy and charge him with, you know, 60 counts of murder. So, like, they're going to arrest him, but they don't show that that part. Yeah, I sort of like because I think if we had I think if we had involved the crime boss too much with the arresting stuff, we're talking 220 on this film. So I like the fact that the bad guy just sort of got swept away and we forgot about him because really the bad guy was the snake. It's the snakes. That's yeah. And we'll get to that, too. Uh, least believable part here, Judd. Well, the entire film. So, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> like, there's basically from the time it starts to the time it ends. Um, but I guess mine would be the fact that if you were to put what eventually became a hole the size of that hole in a plane, the bad guy wins. It crashes. I don't know anyone could land a plane that by, by the end, the side is basically largely blown out of the plane so like you would lose the wing you would lose that plane would crash but it but here here's the thing least believable for this film doesn't matter because like you you just buy in so it's not like oh it's really good and then they screwed this film up the whole film is not plausible yeah so i really can't complain but keenan thompson or sully could not have landed that plane by the end yeah i'm looking up here too because i'm curious how cold would it have been? They were probably still like ten or fifteen thousand feet off the ground when they opened all the when they blew the yes. windows out, right? Yes. At least. And so, using standard lapse rate, temperature at fifteen thousand feet would be twenty five degrees Celsius less than ground level. So, if if ground level, okay, so if ground level temp was seventy seven degrees Fahrenheit, it would have been thirty two. So we're talking L A. We're talking, you know, so it was it was probably below freezing and windy yes. on that plane for an hell. extended stretch while they were trying to land it, that thing. 
And the scene of the flight attendants like holding on to seats that somehow don't yeah. come unglued yeah. from the floor, <laughs> saving their lives is absolutely hysterical. Yeah, or at least believable. Dex, half of that. Uh, I, I'm pretty. I'm not an engineer. Uh, I'm a radio producer, executive producer. But I'm pretty sure if you blew out two windows, that plane would eventually just like rip in. Like eventually, would just rip in half with the air pressure, with the speed. I'm pretty sure that plane would just absolutely rip in half eventually. It would just Titanic and crank open like a like a can. That's probably accurate. And yeah. uh, the other part that's least believable, the obliviousness in airport bathrooms. So, like, everyone that goes into the bathroom, the couple that get it on, the guy that gets his, you know what, eaten by the snake, they're all just, like, so, obli- like, when you're in an airport bathroom, it is, it's, it, it's, it's like chest, like, it's, you are like you got a, you got a hand up. You're, you're it's a bumpy plane. Yes. Like you yes. are you are like really focusing on what you're trying to do in the bathroom. It's not like at home you've had a couple beers and it's a Friday night and you know you're not really paying attention. Like when you're in an airport bathroom, you are on hyper focus because it's an airport bleeping bathroom, and they yeah. they act like it's it's their it's their own bathroom on on a Friday night. That that's just like that's insanely at least believable to me. It's insanely at least believable to me. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the, there's a thunderstorm going on, and it's turbulent, and they're just, oh, let's just get in here and get it on for a while. I would So two things that are – I'll give you my main one here, but um, this is probably more of a, of a least favorite thing. So the mo- this movie in general, with everything Declan just said about, like, people doing things in the bathroom, this movie triggered so much airplane anxiety yes. in me, like – Yes. The thunderstorm and the turbulence, crying babies, you got animals. I love animals, but, like, you got dogs and purses and stuff. It's just, like, I just want to chill out in peace with a, just a little bit of legroom. And this movie was, like, not not to mention the snakes, obviously. Um, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of flight anxiety here on this movie triggered. But the least believable thing for me... I've I've been on a lot of cross country flights. I've flown to Hawaii mm-hmm. before and back, and I feel like I always get stuck on like the plane with no modern technology or something, right? And these guys, I mean, this wasn't like a flight to Europe or a flight to Japan or something or Australia. Like it's like a five hour flight, you know, back and forth from Hawaii. Yep. And this is the nicest, most ridiculous plane ever. It's like a double decker. Yeah. It's it's three different rows of seats. I mean, this is the most glamorous plane. I've never been on a plane like that before. And I'm just saying, like, from in my world, having flown a million times and never have seen a plane like that, I've never I've never drawn that card. It was the least believable thing to me in my consciousness. Well, and the plane is so clearly a set. Like, there's no attempt to make the set look <laughs> like a plane. It's just a set. Um, I don't, I honestly, and I might be wrong here. I don't think post 2001, at least we have seen double decker planes. I, th- I think it's too expensive to, in oh, the seventies, they, yeah. they, they had them. I think they've um, outlawed and, and, and the three row seat things definitely exist still. Um, but yep. I don't, yeah, I don't in the seventies, they definitely had like, the, like a bar upstairs. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think they fly them. And I don't think they've flown them since at least 2001, if not before that. So they were using maybe an old concept here because this was an 06 movie. It was also a very 1970s horror-type um, cult flick. Like, it felt like it, it It had a lot of 70s feeling as far as how they, as far as the premise, I thought. Which, uh, this, that's a good segue into production notes if you guys are ready for these here. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So this movie's B-movie-esque title generated a lot of pre-release interest on the internet. This is 2006 internet, right? So this is before social media. Really, I mean, Facebook was just like a college network. MySpace was the big thing, at least for my age it was. MySpace was the big thing. Yep. So one journalist wrote that Snakes on a Plane is perhaps the most internet-hyped film of all time. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's especially in the early days. No, I that think was it's accurate. accurate. That was totally accurate. It was a big deal when I was in junior high. Taking advantage of the internet buzz for what had been a minor film in their 2006 lineup, New Line Cinema ordered five days of additional shooting in early March of 2006. So shooting had wrapped up actually in September of '05. So like six or seven months later, they said, "All right, this is getting this thing's getting some buzz. We need to add some things in here." So reshoots normally imply problems with a film, right? Oh, we got to reshoot that. It sucks. But in this case, the producers opted to add new scenes to the film to change the rating from PG-13 to R and bring it in line with the growing fan expectations. The most notable addition was a revision of a catchphrase from the film that was parodied on the Internet by fans of the film, capitalizing on Samuel L. Jackson's typically foul-mouthed and violent film persona. Enough is enough. I've had it with these mother bleeping snakes on this mother bleeping plane. That was a reshoot to capitalize on the momentum of the movie so that it lived up to the hype. More than 450 snakes were used for filming to represent 30 different species of snakes. Really? Okay. Mm. So they really did. I I was going to say, I couldn't tell if those were, they, they looked real but i couldn't tell i'm gonna guess that the one that bit that guy's johnson was probably a stunt snake maybe but, uh or, yeah. we, or just the one that bit that guy's head off just well trained now yeah. just bite it a little bit <laughs> don't really bite God. it don't really lay those stop teeth into it. stop stop <laughs> don't use your teeth come on mr snake on a plane <laughs> oh my god all right definitive bad guy rankings so that so uh the snakes are the yeah. bad guy right yeah, the snakes the bad guy is a non-entity. He got like $30 for the film. Yeah. So the, the, cri- the criteria here we're looking at are iconic. Are they how iconic? How ruthless? And then how charismatic and sort of memorable? How charismatic. The Terminator is number one. Hans Gruber, Michael Myers, and Clubber Lang are two, three, and four. Hans Gruber from Die Hard. The Predator from Predator. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man. Cobra Kai from Karate Kid, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, and Yvonne Drago from Rocky IV round out the top ten. I got to say. Yvonne Drago seems low now. In I agree. I agree with that. I feel like we goofed that one up. Mm-mm. I think we did. I think he should be ahead of a few of these. But, I'm not but these are, there's a lot of heavy hitters in here. Yeah, this may be. Yeah. Um, can, um, can, I, can I suggest that there's a perfect place for it, these snakes? Because, because in fact... This film used a little bit more enhanced because it was 2006 technology. For when you were looking at what the snakes were looking at, the, they used the predator. The predator, exactly right. I would put the snakes right alongside that. Would you put the? I agree. By the way, I, I think definitely it's the, the snakes on a plane are as iconic as almost any bad guy you're going to find. Ruthless, my God! Like oh, these yeah. snakes aren't just there to hang out and hide; like they're actively. Killing people. Pheromone sent them off. So they're definitely in the top 10. I guess the question is, are they above or below the Predator? You'd have have better context for, like, the iconic nature of 
the predator going back. But I almost think just based on the viral nature of snakes on a plane, early internet age, I think they're ahead of the predator. I'd be comfortable with them just in, in I, either, either one is fine to me. Uh, but I just Let's think put that them above, if we put them above, they'd the be fifth. Thing. They'd be fifth. You guys have any objections with that? No, but I do feel like at some point in time, the committee might, might want to go in and rectify the Yvonne Drago mess up. We might. Part of the problem is De- Declan has only reviewed like 75% of these. Okay. Because Rami and Jonathan were part of some of these. That's right. That's so, right. Um, but, but anyway, yeah. Dex, your thoughts? And who is – so, so and who, he's about the Predator and who else? Just curious. So here's the order right now if we keep it. The Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, Clubber Lang from Rocky Three, and the Snakes from Snakes on a Plane 5. Just ahead of the Predator, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man yeah. and Cobra Kai from Crime. This is accurate. Yep, this is accurate. I'm fine with that. Okay. I like that. All right. Overall, 1 through 10 rating here. So this is just pure entertainment value for you. Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween are the only three perfect 10s. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Predator, Beverly Hills Cop are all 9 or above. And then we have like 50 other movies below that. The worst movies we've reviewed to this point, as I just close out my... Uh, my screen here on accident with my fat thumbs. Come on, old man. Uh, at the very, very bottom, um, Beverly Hills Cop 2 dem- was a one. God, Demolition Man, Kindergarten Cop, Shoot 'em Up, and Bloodsport, which I take issue with, but that's okay. So how would you grade this? One through ten, entertainment value. Okay, so th- this crossed into a, a genre I didn't realize fully until I watched it, which is not just an action film but also a, a cult film like mm-hmm. it's a definite cult film um it had a lot of problems but you know what it also had a lot of fun yeah. and cult wise cult wise which i love cult films like those, those are hard to do uh i'm going to land on a nine wow i'm going to give it a very high wow, nine because dude. it because for for every purpose that we have it basically did what yes. we ask a film to do. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and crossing into cult territory, which we have not done, I don't think that's a good point much at all until now I'm giving it a nine. Well, yeah. and, and I, I will say that like action movies in general, like there are culty, it's probably the more cultier drama. Cause, cause there's just an absurd amount of them, but um, I, I'm with Judd. I'm actually, I give it an eight. I don't give it a nine, but I give it an eight. I think it's a fun movie. It's enjoyable. Um, I, I probably wouldn't like always want to sit down and watch it over and over again, but if it was on TV or if I flipped on HBO or something and I saw it on, like I'm probably going to sit down and watch the rest of this movie. I love this film. And getting Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> to do the, this film is just, I is it's enormous. Yeah, he, I, I, I'm, so a, good I'm, I'm a Samuel L. guy. I, I did not love this movie nearly as much as you guys did. I just thought, I don't know, it, the whole thing was so, I knew what was going to, I'd never seen this, and the whole thing was just like, yep, yep. All right, that, that, those two are going to definitely get killed in the bathroom. Like it was, yeah, to me, it was kind of like watching a just a B level horror movie from the '80s. Where it's fine, like I didn't hate it by any means. Um, I thought that the hype of it was definitely greater than the actual movie. For sure. So if you take away the hype of it and you just watch the actual movie, to me, it was a six. It was a six. And usually, I come in higher on these ratings than yeah, you guys. That's do. fine, Mister Kildra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Uh, Dex that, and I will keep this yep. film in our minds forever. But that that still gives it a 7.7, which is tied with Die Hard 2 and just above Lethal Weapon. Yeah. So it's in some pretty pretty good Different, company there. Different, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there it is. All right. I, I, I motion that for – I think we should stay on Action Movie Rewind here. Mm-hmm. And this one's been on the list for a long time, and it would take us back to a Sylvester Stallone classic, quote-unquote. The arm wrestling action movie over the top. Oh. I think we should do it. Okay. What you oh, guys oh, are now oh just quickly. What's the running time? 133. Oh, okay. Yeah, over the top it is. <laughs> Yeah, they cut they cut thirty minutes of uh, extra arm wrestling scenes out to keep it under. Hey, listen, Loja. I forgot Robert about that. Loja. two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Robert Loja is the greatest. Loja. If you want to see, I I just saw him in a Charlie's Angels from like nineteen seventy six playing a bad guy. It's just great. <laughs> Look over there, it's Robert it's Loja. Robert Loja. <laughs> oh, That's as L, in as in Loja. Oh my yeah. God, it's, it's Robert, Robert Loja. Loja. He's great. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. We got to go. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Mackie and Judd. And uh, just remember, YouTube, Score North MN YouTube, click subscribe. Purple Daily YouTube, click subscribe, where we can give you our uh, our radio faces on a daily basis. Thanks for hanging out. Well, I know what I got to do. We're in a 200-foot aluminum tube, and we're 30,000 feet in the air. And any one of those slimy little pieces of can trip a circuit or a relay or hydraulic, and this bird goes down faster than a tie hooker. So my job is to keep LAX informed on how totally screwed we are and then find some way to keep this mother in the sky another two hours. Figure that out. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.